Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting life. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Last week we started talking about God as our Father, our loving, caring, compassionate, merciful uh, Father. And um, there, there's no better place that we can find ourselves than in a deep, intimate, loving relationship with our Father. And this week we're going to continue um, along those lines. Um, there are many attributes that God has, but there are, in my reckoning, uh, five that are at the top of the list. And so we're going to have five of our leaders uh, talk to you, uh, share scripture, share personal stories, uh, possibly, um, around these five attributes of God, my favorite five attributes of God. Uh, sit back and be blessed by it. God is merciful. We've all known God's mercy in one way, shape, or form. And the Bible is filled with examples of God showing mercy to people. Now, one of the interesting things of God's mercy is just how much he desires to show mercy to people. How much he would rather he didn't have to punish. How much he would rather that the people didn't have to suffer. But that instead they would receive his mercy. And we see this in a very good example uh, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 26, from verses 2 to 3, where this is at a time when the Israelites had turned away from God. They had um, done wickedly in the land. And we just see here what, he, what the message he sends to them through Jeremiah and how much he desires to be merciful towards them in the language used. I'll read from the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 26 verses 2 to 3, and it reads, This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord and make an announcement to the people who have come there to worship from all over Judah. Give them my entire message. Include every word. Perhaps they will listen and turn from their evil ways. Then I will change my mind about the disaster I am ready to pour out on them because of their sins. God was there showing just how much he wanted to show mercy to the people. He says, perhaps when you bring this message to them, they will turn. And he, and he, he, he made his instruction clear to Jeremiah where he says, don't change any words, include every word, give them my entire message because it has been carefully crafted such that I'm, it is my desire that when they hear it, they will turn. And that's just how merciful our God is. And then we see it again in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that the sin of the nations, the sin of the whole world, of every living being needed to be judged. And God thought to himself, what can I do that I may be merciful towards the people? And he said, I will send my only begotten son, who is most precious to me, who is most pure, and he will pay the price for their sins simply because 
I want by reason of his death and resurrection. I want for everyone who will call upon his name and turn back to me through him. I want to be able to be merciful towards them. I think when I think about it, this might be the one attribute of God that I cherish the most because without it, I I don't know how else I would be able to enjoy all the other attributes of God. I mean, when I think about not just what this, 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 his, his merciful way meant in bringing me back to him through Jesus Christ, our Lord, but that every time I have transgressed against him, and I'm sure you all agree with me that every time we have wronged him, he is there saying, I can be merciful to you. I can be merciful to you because of the price that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, paid. God is merciful. God is faithful. When we say God is faithful, what do we mean? We mean he is true. We mean he is truthful. We mean he is trustworthy. For like the Bible says, he is not man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? God is faithful. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, there is story after story of God's faithfulness. I'm reminded of how Abraham and Sarah, they were old, they had no children, and God told them that they were going to be the father and the mother of many nations. And God did it. For you and I are seed of Abraham. And I'm reminded of the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. God told them they were going to be in Egypt for 430 years. And that after that, he would bring them out. And on the night of the 430th year, the night of Passover, God with an outstretched hand brought them out. God is faithful. And I'm also reminded of the old prophets, Isaiah, how God gave him a word and told him that a son was going to be born to the world who would deliver you and I from our sins. And thousands of years later, in a town called Bethlehem, that son, the Savior, was born, Jesus Christ, who came, who lived amongst us, who died and who rose again, that you and I should be saved. God is faithful. You know, there's a scripture amongst many that comes to mind. And it's in Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, and I'm reading from the NLT. It says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God, and he is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Another scripture I love is Psalm 37, verse 25, and I'm reading from the TPT. And it says, I was once young, but now I am old. Not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him, nor have any of their children gone hungry. You know, that scripture speaks deeply to me. For when I think about the faithfulness of God in my life, Many instances in my life come to mind. And I'm reminded about when my father passed away. I was 22. 
I had just come out of dental school. My life, I thought, was filled with hope. And then my father died suddenly, unexpectedly. And it was like my world had crashed. My world had come to an end. And I was a Christian and I thought to myself, do these things happen to Christians? And I wondered, where were we going to go from here? My father was the breadwinner. How were we going to cope? My mom and three young siblings. What were we going to do? But you know, I saw God's faithfulness come through. And through the years, I have seen his faithfulness. And so you might be going through a situation like that, that you've lost a loved one and you're wondering, God, why? God, what's happening? God is faithful. You know, you might be going through a difficult time now and you're wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to make ends meet? Will God heal me? God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. I'm reminded of that song. Faithful God. Faithful God. All sufficient one. I worship you. Shalom, my peace, my strong deliverer, I lift you high, faithful God, you know the so what you have been through, God is faithful. No matter what you are going through, God is faithful. No matter what you will go through in the days and the weeks and the months and the years ahead, God is faithful. God has integrity. He's true to his word. Never forget that God is faithful. God is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve an all-powerful God. And all-powerful means all-powerful. There is no circumstance that you or I may ever face that is beyond the reach and remedy of our God. God says this of himself. And we'll look at two examples. The first example is when God is in that iconic conversation with Abraham. He's telling him about the birth of his son. And he says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, he says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He says, At the time appointed, I shall return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. In our second example, he's talking to Jeremiah and he becomes more emphatic. He says, behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is no. Ladies and gentlemen, let's look at the word powerful. The word powerful is only used three times in the King James Version of the Bible. Once it's used in, ref in reference to St. Paul, 
And that's a derogatory reference. It's reported and we can put that aside. But the other two examples are when God uses his word or he speaks to get something done. God will always exhibit and exert his power when he speaks. He will do it through his word. The greatest example of when God exerted his power is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, reading from verses 19 to 20, but I won't turn there. It is when God raises Jesus from the dead and sets him at his own right hand. He rewards him and confers on him the name that is above all names. And the Bible says that's the greatest exertion of God's power. Interestingly for us, ladies and gentlemen, is that God did it in response to something he has said to Jesus Christ previously. And Jesus reports this. And I'll read from John chapter 10, verse 18. I'll read the easy to read version of the Bible. No one takes my life away from me. I give my life freely. I have the right to give my life and I have the right to get it back again. This is what the Father told me. Ladies and gentlemen, in conclusion, how will an all-powerful God get his power into yours and my circumstances? Jesus answers this beautifully in one sentence. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Ladies and gentlemen, as you go into this week, pray, confess God's word, decree God's word with audacity, with the audacity of knowing that your God is powerful. God is holy. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 99 verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship in his holy temple, for the Lord is holy. Holiness is the fundamental descriptor of who God is. It refers to his all-encompassing nature and character that is far beyond human comprehension. Holiness is the very being of God. And it's interesting that it's the one word that is used the most to describe God, the Holy One, or his holy name. The, the, the word holy means separate. And it speaks to three aspects of God. So God is holy, first of all, because he is separate from the rest of creation. He is the creator. He is totally distinct from all of his creation. He is unique and stands by himself. It speaks of his awesome majesty. 
I love the way that Moses described this when God brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea in Exodus 15:11. He says, "Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders?" All they were saying is that there's no one that can compare with God. To be separate, the second theme is that speaks about God's moral character, that God is morally separate from all of creation, is morally pure and perfect in his nature. There's no sin or evil in God at all. And that's why God detests sin, because it's totally incompatible with, with his nature. You know, the, the, the Bible paints a picture for us in Isaiah chapter 6, where the angels before God are constantly saying, holy, holy, holy. That's all they keep saying. The Lord God, um, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the third thing about God's holiness is that it speaks about God being perf perfectly consistent. You know, God is perfect and is consistent in all that he does. Uh, that word, holy, interestingly, has the same root word as the word integer, which, which um, speaks for integrity. That God is a God of integrity. He is perfect in all of his ways. And it's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that the holiness of God, his perfection, his integrity and purity, embraces all of his other attributes. So God is perfect in his love. God is perfect in his justice. God is perfect in his mercy. And I say all this to say that once we start to understand that God is holy, a holy God, then it informs the way we relate with God in a way that pleases him. The first thing is that it should evoke a response of gratitude, that a flawed, uh, sinful human beings like ourselves, uh, we can relate with God, like the Bible says, we can come boldly into his presence. Um, it's just something to be grateful to God for. It's a privilege. And all because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins and imputes holiness on us. The, the second thing um, in terms of our response is that once we appreciate the holiness of God, his awesome majesty, then, then we, we are careful the way we come to God. Yes, we come boldly, but we must also come with awe and reverence. We don't treat the things of God carelessly because we appreciate that this God is holy, is majestic. Uh, the third thing, and it's interesting that God, um, in relating with us, he invites us to be holy as he's holy. I think that's Leviticus uh, chapter 11, verse 45. Now, God is not saying be perfect as I'm perfect. We can't be perfect. You know, he's divine. We're mortal. But what God is saying is represent my attributes, represent my nature. And how do we do that? It, it's it's by, by emulating Jesus Christ. His son who came, not only died for us, but then showed us the example of how God is the Holy God. That's why the Bible calls Jesus the Holy One as well. And, and so for you and I, ladies and gentlemen, to be holy like God is holy just simply means to be Christ-like. You know, to be Christ-like in integrity, to be Christ-like in love. And then finally, um, fourth thing, and this is really the clincher for me that God looks at us, looks at our imperfection. He's perfect. He looks at our imperfection. And then he says, you know, I need to help them. So he puts his spirit in us, the Holy Spirit. So God is holy. And by his Holy Spirit, we can live lives of holiness where we're separate from sin 
and we represent the nature of God. God is holy. God is love. Please look with me in the Bible and let's open to Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord appeared to us saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You know, this scripture takes me back to a time where I myself was in desperate need of the love of God. Probably one of the most difficult times I've ever experienced in my life was when I had my heart broken many years ago. I remember feeling like my whole world had shattered. I remember, you know, that there was a pain in my heart that I just couldn't shift. You know, I would wake up in the middle of the night with tears down my face. And even when I managed to get a good night's sleep, I remember waking up in the morning and feeling like there was this dark cloud literally hanging over me. And, you know, I, I, I just remember feeling very much like I had no hope. I had no hope, no self-confidence, no self-esteem. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me picture tomorrow. I couldn't imagine the next day because I couldn't get past the pain that was in my heart. I, I, I would often describe myself back then as, as I was a hot mess. You know, but I, I, at times, like, like in hindsight now, I, I, I look back and I'm so grateful for the church that I was, that I, that I'm in, um, Jesus House, where I honestly believe that we have some of the world's best humans as leaders and pastors. And I'll never forget Pastor Agu's mantra then and now, it still is. He would always say to me, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And it wasn't as though that I wasn't a Christian in going through all this. I was very much a Christian, but somehow I just couldn't marry my faith with this situation that I found myself in. And I would remember those words that Pastor Agu, you know, of those, those words by Pastor Agu that said, God answers prayer. And I would, I, I made a decision at that point to go back into the Bible and, and look at what God, what, what the word of God says and, 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 and make a decision whether or not I was going to believe that indeed God answers prayer and make a decision whether, as to whether or not I was going to believe that God's love truly is everlasting and his kindness truly is unending. And, you know, I, I felt like I was presented with two options at that point in time, either to believe that God loves me or to believe that he didn't. It didn't make sense to me to believe that God didn't love me because I had nothing to gain by that. If I had any hope, it was going to be in believing that God does love me. And thankfully, I went with that. And I would look at the scripture and, and the scriptures would say that, you know, God loves me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for me even before I chose to become a Christian. And that, you know, his love is, is perfect and his love is unending and his love casts out all fear. And, you know, his, his plans for me are to prosper me and to give me a hope and a future, something that I was in desperate need of at that time. And you know what? I, I decided that, you know what? I'm going to bring his word back to him every day with the pain in my heart. I would wake up in the morning with tears down my face and I would say to him, 
God loves me. I know you love me. I know you have plans of, of, of hope and a future. I know that, that, that you, that your thoughts towards me are of good and not evil. And I would speak to myself and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you know, day after day and week after week and month after month and you know it must have been a year or maybe even two years afterwards I remember having lunch with my friend and she said to me time has healed you <laughs> and I remember saying to her that may be true that time has healed me but God's love has restored me and that's the beauty of God's love God's love restores it restored my hope, it restored my self-confidence, it restored my peace, it restored my joy, it restored my life. And, you know, it's not like we, you know, I haven't had any, any ups and downs since then. In any relationship, there's bound to be ups and downs. But in my relationship with God, even in my up and my down, one thing that I've never been able to get away from is that God is love. That experience assured me of that fact, that regardless of what comes my way, God's love is divine. God's love is perfect. God's love casts out all fear. It casted out the fear of the future that I had. God's love is unending. God's love is beautiful. And I'm just so grateful that despite the fact that I went through something that was probably my most traumatic experience to date. I can come out of that knowing, assured that of a truth, God is love.